0: I once survived an evening of being babysat by my older brother. Anybody else suffer by being watched by an older sibling and live to tell the tale? I was probably seven or eight. My parents went out to dinner. And at the time, I had my blankie. And this thing was ratty and nasty looking because it went with me everywhere, everywhere. And so on that fateful night, my older brother looked at me, snatched my blanket from my hand, threw it on the couch on the other side of the room and said, get it. (laughs) And I spent the next hour and a half doing everything in my power to get my blankie back at first it was fun it was a game and then i was frustrated and then i was crying and then i was fake crying and then i was laughing and then i was angry have you been there And then mom came home, and my brother went to his room. (laughs) I did everything I could to get to the thing that I wanted most, and everything I did failed. It fell short. There was this barrier. There was this brute of an older brother that was in my way, and he was keeping me from what I wanted. And I think that, that sometimes we can come to the conclusion that, that God is kind of the same way. I think we can sometimes fall into the trap that, that, that we're here and, and we want to get to heaven... But man, there's something about us that's less than what we need to be, and and we're trying and we're doing everything we can, but at every turn, God, the protective bodyguard, has said, no, you're not good enough. You can't get to where you want to go. Have you ever felt that? That there's something about your past, a decision you made, a struggle you carry, a burden that weighs on your heart a lapse in judgment, a moment, where you come from, part of your story that is so much of a a burden, so much of a weight that there's no way God could let you in. The holy bodyguard, the holy bouncer says, I'm sorry, you're not fit to come in here. I, I think... I think sometimes we, we get this image of that this is what God does. This is who God is. Is He is there to keep the riffraff out. And gosh darn it, we're all part of our story. We're all the riffraff. You ever feel that? You ever encounter that, wrestle with that? I, I'm here to tell you, it's a bold-faced lie God's presence, God's goodness, God's glory, His mercy, His unending, steadfast love isn't here to keep you out. It's to welcome you in to the presence of God. That's who God is. That's what God wants. We'll come back back to that in a little bit. We, we get this story from Matthew about the call of Matthew. And, and it says plainly and clearly, and if you've been around the church, if you've heard this story, maybe some of this will be a refresher or a renew for you, but it, it says that Matthew was a tax collector. And, and we get like, I don't love the IRS, right? I mean, that, that kind of, we get that, right? We, we, we understand that, we resonate with that, but, but man, when... when in in first sen- century cent- in the first century <laughs> tax collectors were a whole nother ballgame, right so the the tax collectors were they, they had a tax booth which was like a, a a place a building a secure building on the outskirts of town and and the the tax collectors were were well they were Roman subcontractors they worked for the Roman Government, and they had to pay pre-tax, so they had to pony up before for all the trade goods that were coming through a city. So they had to put their payment down, and then they would declare, or they would come, and as people would come, they would collect taxes from everybody. But they they didn't have a set tax rate that they were charging people; they could take whatever they wanted from people because they were. Well, they were part of the Roman establishment. And and so they got their profits, they got their living by charging whatever they wanted to the people coming through. And Matthew wasn't Roman, he was, well, he was Jewish. So so they were scoundrels, they they were creeps. But he was even worse because he was betraying his own country. He was was siding with the oppressors. He was like a loyalist back in the Revolutionary Army, right? I mean, he, he was rotten to the core, ostracized from his community, living on the outskirts, a traitor. And Jesus comes to him and says, follow me. I mean, ponder that. Right, Jesus has already started to assemble his crew, his his disciples. He's got Peter and James and John and Andrew. Those who drop their nets to go and fish with Jesus which was really meaning that, that you get to be an apprentice of, of, of this rabbi. You get to go and, and, and share the teachings of this rabbi with others so that they might be enthralled by who he is and what he teaches. And, and, and most of them already are, are super excited because they, they see hints that Jesus is the one that's going to come and, and, and overthrow Rome and, and restore Israel to the good old days. You ever want the good old days back? And the next thing Jesus does is he welcomes into the inner circle a traitor, a guy that stands for everything they're against. Jesus, what are you thinking? Can you imagine the conversations between Jesus and the apostles that are already walking with him? Why Matthew? Why him, Lord? You don't want him. Do you know who Jesus, what are you thinking? Right? A tax collector. He's not good enough for Jesus. He's not good enough. His decisions, his background, his story, all of it, man, it should disqualify him. You're not fit, Matthew. You're not fit to be one of us. That's the background. That's the story. That's the the craziness of Jesus going to Matthew and saying, come, follow me. And then Jesus goes and eats at his house and reclines at table and eats with him. It says reclines at table, right? They didn't have tables like you and I do in our kitchen, Right, the tables in, in these days were about a foot off the ground and you actually lounged, you, you lay next to the table and there was no way to do that without like lying on top of each other while you were eating. Right? Very strange for us and our sensibilities. But, but eating and who you eat with was an intimate reality. Right? And Jesus was eating with them. You ever eaten with them? You ever been one of them? I mean, that's the story. That's the wideness of God's grace. Right? That the the story of Jesus, the, the blessing of Jesus, the goodness of Jesus, the grace of Jesus, the mercy of Jesus is wide enough that a tax collector could be included but but just in the next chapter we get the, the final list of the 12 disciples and it includes the name Simon the Zealot. Right? The Zealots were a, well that was a faction in early first century times. They were Jewish nationalists. They were out of their mind right-wing conservatives that went around and plotted the overthrowing of the Roman government. They were ones who were violent against Rome. So you have one that is a a Roman subcontractor at the same table with the guy who's trying to kill the Romans so Israel can be returned to glory. At the same table, right? Right? I mean, pick any of your favorite and least favorite commentators or political opponents today. They're on the same team. In Jesus. This is crazy. Jesus goes out of his way to invite Matthew to come and follow. What we can discern from this, what we can decipher from this truth of this reality is that, man, Jesus doesn't call you based on where you should be. He calls you upon where you are. Right? You see the difference? He comes to you wherever you are, whatever your story is, whatever your background is, whatever the weight that weighs down your shoulders is that's burdening you. He comes to you in the midst of this and he says, Follow me. Come with me. I'll show you life, I'll give you purpose. I'll make you a part of something bigger than what you already are. This this is Jesus. See, Jesus isn't the one who stands between where you are and where you want to be, ready to box you out like my brother did. No, the image we have of Jesus is far more like any amazing football movie you've seen, right? You know the, the football movies, any one of them. There's the one player that is down on his luck and he has to switch positions and nobody likes him because he keeps failing and finally at the end of the movie he gets his shot and they call his number and he gets the ball and he scores a touchdown. You're that guy and that gal. But in that scene, every time, every moment, there is somebody that is out leading the way, blocking and getting rid of everything that is in his way so that he can score. This is what Jesus does. He isn't there to protect you and keep you from what you want. He isn't there blocking you out and disqualifying you from being in the presence of Jesus. He's the lead blocker that goes before you to clear the way so that you can win. This is Jesus. This is what it means when he says, my love is steadfast. It means his love for you will not end and part of his love for you, just like your love for your child, is you will do everything you can to help your child succeed. Jesus will do everything he can to help you succeed. He will do everything he can to block So you can win your day. This is Jesus. This is who he is. This is what he does. He goes in front of you. He goes before you. With his goodness and his mercy and his righteousness. So that you can stand. Because without him you can't. And without him you won't. This is why Jesus died. So you can live, so you can live. And, and then he invites you to eat with him, right? I mean, that, that's, that's the story. So much of scripture throughout from the beginning to the end is, is Jesus eating, feeding the people. Jesus caring for people and and, and sitting at table with them and feeding them. That's that's so much the story. And so in this story we have Jesus eating with the the sinners and the tax collectors, the, the, the riffraff of society, the one that nobody would eat with, certainly not a righteous rabbi, and yet Jesus does. He eats with them. You've, you've heard me uh, talk a number of times about uh, the, the Jewish temple. This is in the, the days of Jesus, but going all the way back to wandering through the wilderness with uh, Moses, right? And the, the temple was uh, divided into three sections. The Holy of Holies where the Ark of the Covenant was, right? And we know that story to some degree and that the, the blood of Jesus, the sacrifice of Jesus, man, that is tied to what God did there. That was the, the, the curtain that, that ripped in two when Jesus died was to give access of God to everyone, right? That, that, that's part of the story. And the, but, but in the middle, in the holy place, the, the place right outside of the Holy of Holies. There was a table. It was the table of the presence. And and every single day on that table, there were 12 loaves of bread. The bread of the presence. The show bread. It was in the presence of God. And every day it was there to remind the people of God that it is the Lord who provides. It is the Lord who nourishes. It is the Lord who makes you full and gives you everything you need. Twelve loaves because of the twelve tribes. And every Sabbath... The priests would go in and they would eat those loaves to replace them and give them new loaves. It's from here in so many ways, and we, of course, have so many other references, but, but this one is, is so intimately connected and tied to the, the Eucharist, the Holy Communion that we celebrate, where Jesus comes and feeds you. His presence is with us and with this bread and this wine, this body and this blood as it comes to you and, and it is, as it fills you and as it reminds you that you are in the presence of God and that he is for you. But I love that, man, Jesus ate with the sinners and the tax collectors, and you knew it was fun. You knew it was, it was a fun meal, but you knew it was, well, it was unexpected because the, the Pharisees were like, why, are you eating? Why, are you, why is your rabbi eating with those people? And Jesus looks at us and says to you, You are my people. You are welcome at my table. You belong here. Not because of what you've done, but because of what Jesus has done. You aren't excluded because of who you are and your story and your background. You are welcomed because Jesus, in his goodness, washes over you and says, you belong here. He blocks the way. He's the lead blocker. So you can come to the presence of God Almighty. Almighty. This is our hope. This is our story. Jesus wants to eat with you. He wants to welcome you to his table, and he wants to come to your table. You belong. You belong. If Matthew belongs, you belong. You belong with Jesus you belong your home is in him don't believe the whispers of the evil one that try to tell you you're not worthy instead declare I know I'm not You are not worthy, but the worthy one, Christ Jesus, has said, you have a seat here, so come and get it. None of us is worthy, except that Jesus says, come, follow me, sit here by my side, you belong. Because of Jesus, you belong. In the name of Christ, amen.